Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. Actually, we're in the French Catholic Cafe. We set up shop here in France on pilgrimage with the Order of Malta in Lourdes, France. And it's such a beautiful trip. Uh, We meet all kinds of interesting people. And I happen to bump into someone who I just thought would be great to have on the show here. We have Barbara Laughlin. She is the chair of the Grants Committee for the Order of Malta. And you're also a dame of Malta, is that I right? am indeed. Very good. So I'm so excited to have you here. When I heard all of the stuff that you were involved in, I, I, it was very intriguing because I know a lot of people don't know a lot about the order that are listening, but it's an, it's a very interesting group with a, sort of a dual charism, dual mission, and that is to essentially to defend the faith, right, and then also to care for the sick and the poor. And we can think, well, there's lots of ways we can do that, but... The order is is very organized, uh, very in a in a military sort of fashion. Everything is all sort of organized and strategized, isn't it? It is indeed. They don't call us a military order by accident. That's exactly right. So you're very structured in your, uh, especially in your works, the great works that uh, the order does. We are very structured, and we are also very vast. We reach from Houston to Chicago to. D.C., even as far south as Charlotte, North Carolina. Right, and that's, uh, that's you know, here uh, in the United States where the, the vast majority of our listeners are, but also there are works around the world, aren't there? There are. With the Order of Malta. You know, I wanted to talk about, I think we've all heard of, like, these, these like, great disasters like Katrina and, and, and tsunamis around the world and whatnot and earthquakes where the Order has stepped in and just a monumental and mammoth effort um, to uh, to assist those in, in in dire straits in those situations, but then there's also these other things that happen. These sort of day to day things, maybe some smaller, more local uh, things that go on. That the the order is just as uh, enthusiastically uh, working to alleviate um, pains and problems and grievances that are you know going on in our in our local church, aren't you? This is true, and in fact, many of the people who went to service Katrina with their tool belts Uh are now doing the same things in their local communities. Many of those are focuses on people who need food. Right. And that happens in the form of soup kitchens. It's also uh, grocery facilities where people can come and fill a grocery cart so they can take it home to their family. There are hospitals involved. There are facilities for children with serious, serious health conditions. Uh, I would say that for every grant that's given to fund an activity in in our federal association, there are probably three or four other activities that never even come to the grants association that are supported by the local dames and knights. So they're very active, whether it's uh, in your purview as uh, the chair of the grants committee, you know, you'll look at at various different proposals and see where to best utilize the, the order's resources and where to put those. But then there's also, you're saying that there are, it's a sort of, I guess, naturally bred into the uh, the order of Malta, the Dames and the Knights, uh, and the volunteers, 
really to, to even in their local groups or chapters or regions to to express um, I guess Christ's love in a very profound way in in a very physical way through all of these works. It is, and there's tremendous joy in doing it. You know, the knights and the dames themselves are other. Rel- I'm sorry, they're all very like-minded, mm-hmm. but uh, they're also a fair amount of fun. And the process of working with people over and over again, particularly if it's in the same soup kitchen or in the same hospital or in the same care facility, you get to know those folks. They get to know you. And it's kind of a joyous undertaking. So if you've done it once, you're going to take off and do it again. Well, that's awesome. And you, you mentioned the joy. And that makes the, I guess it makes the work, you know, uh, whistle while you work or whatever, you know, it makes it a little more pleasant. But why do you suppose there's such a, uh, a drive or an innate need to, to help? The two reasons for that. One of them is the people who are drawn to the order are naturally predisposed to want to care for others, so they wouldn't want to be here. The other is many of us have been very blessed in our lives and feel very strongly that we need to give back. And uh, the opportunity to do so is abundant. There are many places to give back. And so we seize them and see if we can make a difference. That is awesome. And so in in preparation for this, you're, you're the chair of the Grants Committee. I asked you... Uh, I said, could you come with me a little list of of stuff that you guys are working on? And I would love to talk about some of these particular grants that you've encountered and and sort of overseen to to see. Because a lot of people don't realize just what, what kind of things we're talking about. I'd be happy to talk about those. And the thing to keep in mind is that they're very hands-on. So in some cases, obviously, members of the order sit on the board. In all cases, members of the order write checks to support it. But over and above that, they are physically hands-on, cooking food, serving food, feeding people who are unable to feed themselves. But food is a big part of what we look Mm. at. And a good choice is in Houston, there's an activity called Martha's Kitchen. And some 20-odd years ago, a parish... St. Martha's Parish, not surprisingly, decided to establish a food facility, inner city, immigrant community, where, in essence, there was not a lot of wherewithal to provide for themselves. And the order got involved about 10 years ago and began working with them to make it bigger and more effective. And, yes, they do make food. Yes, they do serve food. Uh, Five days a week, hot meals to 300 to 400 people. But the way the grants worked was, as you might expect... Refrigerators wear out, boilers wear out, chairs and tables suddenly become unusable. So grants would be given to help with the physical infrastructure so that that program could continue. Well, that's interesting. So essentially you're, you're shoring up the ability then to feed. We are. And the other part here is we're not looking to fund them on a survival basis. We expect these organizations to be able to raise money to survive. But it's those special costs when you want to expand your activity, when you want to help build the infrastructure, or when you need to repair something that's seen its last day. That's awesome. And so you offer them the opportunity then to, to, to propose to you and say, hey, we're really trying to do this. We want to, we want to help this community, or we want to expand and move over into this, or we're really having problems with keeping this particular thing working and really would be handy if we could have that going. And so that's what the kind of stuff that you would that focus on. That is the on. stuff we do. But there will be no money given unless there are knights and dames physically engaged in the program. Another great example of what we've done, and many of the people who are in the order and are not even residents of North Carolina have visited a facility called Holy Angels. And the story of Holy Angels is an interesting one. A mother brought a newborn that was physically and mentally uh, in terribly bad shape, mm-hmm. said she could not take care of her. There was no facility. It was just a convent, nuns of mercy, right. and hands them the baby. 
Uh, that was 55 years ago. And since that time, there are now 120 physically and mentally disabled who are part of that program. And again, people volunteer by coming to feed people who can't feed themselves. Uh, we build recreational facilities. We take people for boat rides. And of course, there are blessings and masses that we do for them as well. But the big need they had is that as these small children grew older and lived longer, the bathing facilities were totally mm. inappropriate. And so there are very special pieces of equipment that lift bodies into pre-designed baths so that these people can be bathed on a regular basis. Well, that's very expensive. And so that was a place where the order could step I in see, and it's say... perfect. It's exactly perfect. And so, again, you're, you're not essentially running the ministry. You are assisting those people who already have that drive, that charism, that, that need, and they're, they're fulfilling the need. And you're just, you're just giving them the resources that they need to help that. But again, you mentioned that the knights and dames would need to be involved. And I guess that's a stipulation because you want to make sure that where that money goes is being used for those purposes and that, that uh, again, it's part of the, the charism of the order itself. It is. Right, to be involved in these, in these kinds of things. So keeping that... That connection is important. Right. And, you know, you mentioned earlier that we were facilitating something that was already in place. But there are actually several activities that uniquely belong to Malta that were started by Alta. In Hartford, there's a portable medical clinic that every Saturday goes to a different parish. Uh, It's manned uh, and womaned by by, uh, members of the order and other volunteers who are, in fact, uh, doctors, nurses. It's a full facility. And they go through the process of diagnosis, sometimes recommendations to hospitals, a provision of prescriptions, follow-up on things like diabetes and heart disease. Mm-hmm. And, and they take care of those people who are uninsured or underinsured. And that is entirely a Malta undertaking. Well, that's beautiful. So, again, it's really being involved in that sort of day-to-day part of living that's so important. And a lot of people take for granted, I guess, the, the gifts that they already have, the, the fact that the lights are on, the fact that there's food on the table, the fact that they can go into the st- you know, store, you'll find a Walmart or Target and get what they need and everything's good. And, and, and life is easy, even though we might complain a lot for so many of us. And yet for so many of us, it's so difficult, just the day-to-day needs. Uh, you've mentioned food, you've mentioned bathing, you've, you've mentioned uh, all these different things that are just, um, I, I, there's things we take for granted don't we? We do. And you didn't bring up clothing and shelter. And, and those, there's more. Um, there there's is more, more. Huh? There is more. Actually, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, some time ago, they began an activity called San Juan Batista. And it was a parish, and it had a church basement that was a disaster. High immigrant population, mm. low income. And they wanted to convert the basement to a facility. Well, we got involved in converting it. But not only did we do that, we established a thrift store. And so the concept was that they could begin not only to get things they needed, but to begin create income to help support other programs in the church. Today, they make $100,000 a year. Wow, that is awesome. It is. That's amazing how all those different things come together in that way. And what, what's neat to see to me is, is how so many of these, uh, the basic principles that you guys how, how you facilitate and, and the things that you get involved in, it just seems like it's those basic needs because it's the basic needs, again, that we tend to take for granted that others don't have. It's the basic needs that can actually keep us from feeling either loved or that we belong or that we're wanted and really can keep us from 
having this concept of knowing that, that God loves us and that, that we have some sense of what salvation might even mean, right, if we're struggling just to eat. It's absolutely true. And so much of the reward we get isn't going to be just in the next life. Much of it comes in this life from the people we work with. You know, you come to know them. Uh, they come through the door, open arms, and I remember a homeless fellow coming through at one point going, angels, angels, you are all angels. Uh, or recently we were packing groceries, and you get a little thank you note from a little boy who's just learning English. And it says, thank you for the beans, thank you for the rice, big thank you for the chocolate Easter eggs. Oh, that's so beautiful. That's wonderful. So we have more stories to tell, I think, and also some more questions we might want to ask about how all this stuff works. Uh, when we come back, I'm going to take a break real quick. Before we do that, I remind folks at home, get a great website, thecatholiccafe.com. Also, I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And with that, we will be right back. I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. On October 7, 1571, the great naval battle of Lepanto was fought between the Ottoman Turks and an alliance of Catholic kingdoms assembled by Pope Pius V. This titanic sea battle, fought for the freedom of Christianity in Europe and the preservation of Western civilization, was entrusted to the patronage of our Blessed Mother through the intercession of Our Lady of Victory. The Ottoman Turks had been trying to dominate the Mediterranean Sea with their navy for many years. They slowly captured small Christian outposts and sold much of the population into slavery. The Ottoman armies were brutal and merciless. They sought to exterminate Christianity from all of Europe. After the Turks began the conquest of Cyprus, a small island in the Mediterranean Sea, all Christian Europe became alarmed. Pope Pius V recognized the threat from the Turkish forces and convinced the political rulers of the day to form an alliance that might defend the Christian people of Europe from the threat of the Ottoman Turks. Pius assembled the brave knights of Malta, the Kingdom of Spain, the Venetians, and several other Italian kingdoms into a naval force that was finally able to challenge Turkish naval dominance. The last knight of Christendom, Don Juan of Austria led the Christian forces. On the day of the great battle of Lepanto, the Pope implored all of Christian Europe to seek the intercession of Our Lady of Victory through praying the rosary. As the Christian ships met the Ottoman host on the turbulent seas, Pius V led a rosary procession through St. Peter's Square in Rome. The entire endeavor was given over to the care of the Blessed Virgin Mary. The Pope was given a vision, which assured him that the Christian forces had prevailed. There was a great foreboding that the Christian forces were going to fail against the superior Turkish fleet, but through the Pope's faith and the intercession of Our Lady of Victory, the Christian fleet miraculously carried the day and drove the enemy ships out of Christian waters. The Turkish losses were so great that they were never able to recoup their strength as a mighty naval power. Pius V commemorated the Christian victory at Lepanto through the Blessed Mother's intercession by establishing the Feast of Our Lady of Victory. Pope Paul VI changed the name of the feast to Our Lady of the Rosary. This feast day is celebrated on October the 7th. I'm Bess and this has been another great moment in church history. Mm-hmm. 
Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the French Catholic Cafe, sitting here with Barbara Laughlin. Barbara is the chair of the Grants Committee for the Order of Malta. Sounds like a very lofty title. Laughlin. I was just making a little joke. It wasn't very good, but that's all right. You're right. It wasn't very good. <laughs> Thank you for your honesty. So uh, let's talk a little bit about, you, you know, you, you, you left us with a beautiful little story. Uh, are there any other stories like that? Because it's nice to know that when you're working on something, that God will allow you a little affirmation, a little, uh, just a little blessing to know that what you're doing is really is bearing fruit. What other kind of little stories like that have happened? Well, there are many affirmations, but uh, among the other ministries is one we call Room at the Inn. And that's a process whereby you bring in the homeless for the evening, normally during the cold uh, weather period of time. Mm -hmm. And you do dinner and showers and so on. They stay overnight and then you give them breakfast. And uh, one of the fellows was remarking before I left, he said, you know, it's nice that this room is warm and, and, and that the bed is clean and that the showers are, are lovely and the food is so good. But when I come, it's like sitting down with my family. Mm. It's like sitting down with people who truly care about me. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So, you know, I guess we should talk about the process a little bit. I mean, how do these grants get chosen? How do you figure out what, what you're going to put money into or resources or time and effort into? Actually, the decision begins in the local area with the hospitaler. So the gentleman or lady who oversees the local operation works with their team to identify what it is they're working on that they think is deserving of Mm. a grant. They complete a fairly rigorous uh, application process. But it's not because you want to be bureaucratic and red tape, right? You just want to be making sure that what's due diligence, that what's happening here is really vital, needed, and this is the best possible solution. It is. And, you know, we're stewards of the money people have donated to the Grants Committee. So we do want to be sure that when we allocate it to a particular activity, we're re- responsible for accounting back to the people who were so generous. There's to begin nothing with. worse than hearing an unfortunate scandal or something in the news because it goes viral when that happens. But when you feed a little homeless boy or whatever, you don't always hear about that. But when something goes awry, everyone. So you want to make sure that you are avoiding as much as possible. Uh, any of those situations by making sure that they go through this long application process to really be rigorous, as you said, about, you know, dotting the I's and crossing the T's. We do. It's absolutely critical. And likewise, when we have provided a grant, we require a report following the end Ah. of the period to come back and be very specific about what they accomplished, how the dollars were used, and what the benefit was to the people they meant to serve. Uh, without that, they will not get funded again. Right. So it's, it could be a one-off if they don't do what they're... So you're holding people accountable. Uh, but at the same way, uh, you are really... You're not holding back any funds. You're, okay. you're, you're pouring forth God's grace and goodness to these people, but asking them to be responsible. I think that's a great uh, model. It is. And the other is there are so many worthwhile activities to consider that you do have to make sure that they're going to the place where they can do the most good. Mm. And it's not always a question of the size of the funds. Our grants can go anywhere from $5,000 to $100,000. The large ones are normally given over a two-year period. And so you have to consider 
what is the mission of the organization that you're funding? How engaged are we? And how much better off will other people be when we're done? Because you can't give money to everything, so you have to choose those you think are exactly best. Exactly right. Exactly right. I mean, I think... You know, our Lord did say, you know, the poor will always be with you, right? And so we know that we're always going to have this. And someone might think, well, I just, we're not going to be able to fix this. And so let's not give any money. Or they'll continually just start pouring money out. And it's not the money that really is, I say money a lot, but really the resources. That's not what's actually doing the saving here, right? It's the spirit. It's it's God's grace uh, working through the order of Malta, through the, 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 the dames and the knights, really essentially to be his hands uh, out to the community that's so powerful. It is. And the other to keep in mind is over and above our hands, there's a lot of expertise among the knights and the dames that they share with these organizations because they come from the medical field or they come from the legal field or they come from corporate leadership. So in addition to serving the meals and feeding the people, there is also the process of making sure that we can bring whatever other talents we have. You know, it's funny. When I, whenever I come to Lourdes, right, and we, we come and we see all the, the, the knights and the dames, you know, everyone's dressed in the uniform, and you don't always remember that, oh, this guy, he, you know, he, he's the lawyer that runs this whole huge firm, and this, is, this woman's a CEO of this, and this is a lawyer who's very well known. And, this, and it's just so beautiful to see that all of that expertise then also can be brought to bear to some of these particularly difficult situations for people. This is true, and uh, it's one of those blessings we've been given, along with whatever we have in the way of monetary and health, mm. is the experience that we've had, and we need to share those. It's every bit as valuable as the dollars. Again, it fits right into the the charisms of the order. Now, what if someone wanted to say, well, I want, I want one of those grants, or, or I've got a great idea that we could use money for. What, what would be the first thing they'd want to do? Well, the first thing they'd want to do is determine where the closest operating chapter right. of the Order of Malta would be. Because, again, be. You, you're very hands-on. You're very location-based. So you would want to seek those those groups out. You would. And then you would spend some time with the hospitaler in that section or someone he or she designates. Right. The hospitaler, just for those who don't know, it would be the person that runs that region and That's is right. in charge of. It's the head dude. The head dude or <laughs> the dudette. Or the, the dudette. <laughs> exactly. So if they want to find out if there's a region near them, the Order of Malta has a, a website, and particularly the Federal Association, which you're from, uh, has a website, so you'd be able to find out if there's a region near you on that website, which is orderofmalta-federal.org, right? That's correct. Yeah, so they would go there. That's one thing they can do. And also, I'll just offer this opportunity to anyone who's interested. They can send me an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com, and I can put you in touch with the right folks. I know a few people. I bet you do. I do. And I can help direct information. But essentially, you want to make sure that the order is operating there, because as you pointed out, and rightfully so, that the the knights and dames would need to be involved in the process. Absolutely. Funding requires that. You know, another source they might consider is checking with their local diocese or archdiocese. Because obviously we work under that umbrella when we're in the area. And they may be able to point them in the direction. And that's a very good point, that the Order of Malta is not sort of like a a Lone Ranger kind of operation. I mean, it is in and of itself uh, an order, a religious order. Uh, that's everywhere in many places and has the hierarchy and the structure and all that kind of stuff. 
but also it it works in concert with the local bishop. It does indeed. Right, and and to help those bishops know that uh, the order is involved and can be involved in many works within that diocese is a powerful thing, isn't it? It is a very powerful thing, and it gives more people an opportunity to get engaged. That's awesome. So now, if you were someone who's you're looking to get a grant, you'd, you'd want to go down that path, I think, first to find out. But but I'm sure there's lots of listeners who are thinking, well, these sound like a bunch of do-gooders, and I want to help them out somehow. Uh, it'd be interesting to – would they still contact you and or through me or through the Order of Malta Federal Association website? Would they then be able to contact and say, well, how do I donate either uh, – time or resources or or money, whatever I might want to put towards this? Well, actually contacting you is an option. Or if you go to the fe- uh, federal... Make the checks payable to Deacon <laughs> Jeff Trezim. No, don't do that. Somehow I'm just teasing. I knew you were going to no, say no, that. No, no, no. I'm totally teasing. Uh, actually, if you go to the website, there's also a phone contact option. Okay, good. If she should choose to do that, uh, uh, Nadia Mohammed, who is the woman who handles this, is about ready to kill me. And she's a fine me. woman. We're going to say she's a fine woman. She is a fine she's woman. She's actually sitting over your right <laughs> shoulder. And we love to say Nadia Mohammed here on our program and make her blush. You can't see her because she's on the radio, but... Anyway, all that aside, so we contact Nadia. And the, the reason I suggest that is uh, she can let you know whether or not there is an operating facility for you there. And frankly, right. whether or not these program that you would like to have funded would pass muster, uh, whether or not it's recognized by the federal government as a tax relief organization. There are a whole series of little criteria that you should go through. But if it's an organization that doesn't appear to be fundable, the thing to consider is getting involved with an organization right. that is. You know, and that's interesting also that you said getting involved. That just sort of made me think. Again, the website is orderofmalta-federal.org. So they can go there, but they might be interested in actually looking into the order themselves. And and the Order of Malta is always seeking um, volunteers, people to be associated with the works of the order and to help in, in the many works that the order does. But then also the Knights and Dames come from the world, right? We People did. who are interested in finding out more about how they can help and be the hands of the Lord and, and bring His grace to so many people. This is true. And, you know, we have a number of people who volunteer who are not members right. of the order, but that gives them an opportunity to determine whether or not they have an interest. Yeah, very uh, much Some so. do, some don't. So you can come in as a volunteer. You can come in as a volunteer who might someday become a member of the order. And you can also just remain a volunteer and be active Absolutely. in helping in your community and, and the works of the order. What a great thing. Well, Barbara, thank you so much for coming and sharing with us about uh, all these great grants that you guys are providing and all the help and really essentially being Christ to so many people. It's so powerful. It's as powerful for us. Amen. So, so, so good. So I tell you what, we're in Lourdes. We always like to end this program with a little prayer, and, and we'll just invoke the name of Our Lady and pray a Hail Mary. Hail Mary, full of grace, the, the Lord, Lord is with thee. thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. For more information, visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You'll find many links to Catholic resources on the web. You can also listen to previous shows online, download MP3s, or take advantage of our podcast feature.
If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table. <laughs>